Hey everybody, thank you for listening to Who Dares Wins. I'm your host, JP Ross. Um, Before I go forward with this next episode, um, this episode actually features uh, one of my friends from a couple episodes ago. That was more of a part one episode. It was called Natty Dares Wins. Um, I wanted to follow up. There was things that happened in, um, you know, in the world and everything, the elections and everything. But um, I'd like to return um, and just like finish the rest of her story, um, addressing church hurt. So today's episode, we'll be um, talking about church hurt um, through um, the experience of my friend Natty, you know, and uh, Natty Marie. And, um, you know, I think you'll be really blessed. And I feel like if you've had a bad time with church, you'll um, get like encouraged. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for listening. And um, yeah, uh, Natty Marie, thank you. Hey, 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 welcome back. Hello, hello. So um, yeah, so thank you so much. We took a quick break for just some announcements. And when we left, we were we were talking about leadership, um, ramifications, the pain, all of those things. And one of the things that I was thinking about is, um, and just like what you were sharing is that, you know, I had some time being a part of like, quote unquote, a mega church. And what I, what I would say is that like many times, um, I think there was like an opportunity for offense. People got hurt. People left. Um, I eventually left. And part of like what I would have, what I would have done or what I think I did do. And what I see probably what could have been done in, with, um, with your experience is that even though I was asked to leave, there was still this part of like my, my, um, senior leadership, like still honoring me and still like, sort of like saying, Hey, this is the dynamics. This is the the this is the bio of what our church is. We're not small church. We're not little church. We're not community small town church. We're a large church and our mission is to be a large church and to make global impact mm-hmm. through building large churches throughout the world. And that's why you're a leader. Because your job is to pastor your small group, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and what ends up happening is that there comes these issues that arise in your small group or within your own heart, you know what I mean, or like you might like someone or something else, right, and what ends up happening is that you come to a point where you're like, "I can't answer your your questions, like I'm not even paid staff." I'm volunteering. I want to see this mission happen. I want to be a part of this mission, you know? And then what ends up happening is like, you know, although they honored me, it's like a lot of times you're like stepping in there and sort of like filling in gaps, covering band, covering wounds with the, with your own life. Like you become a band aid, and, instead of sort of like going to senior leadership and being like, Hey, this is what's happening. 
And when people would do that, sometimes they were asked to leave, you know, because, because the brand will always come before the person, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think in a lot of ways, even though like I was asked to leave and it hurt and it hurts still, um, God has done great things with like the new church I'm a part of and, and everything since then, like I would have never learned about the prophetic. I would have never learned about the power of the Holy spirit, the glory, all this amazing stuff. Like I would have never met you, you know? And, and, and it's like, but I just feel like the difference with your experience and my experience. Um, one, I think we handle men differently than we do women. And I think our ability to wound a woman is greater than our ability to wound a man. We're just Mm -hmm. wired differently, Um, especially when we're younger. When we're younger, we're, um, I don't even think they took the time to understand that you might have father issues, that you might have uh, these, these kinds of issues, these kinds of like, why, what brought you to our church? Well, you know, when I was, going through what I was going through and wrestling with different questions in in my church, they took the time to find out like who I am, what I carry, what, what, why am I a part of this church? You know? And even though I'm still like asked to leave, there was like this, this sense of honor. And even though they asked me to leave and it hurt, it wasn't like they asked me to leave and I lost my family so much. I feel like when they, the difference is like, they didn't do any, like, they didn't do any damage control. They didn't, they didn't really like, they didn't really show any care for you or your heart or, or like your continued walk with God. They just removed you. They just swept it under the rug and they continue to build the brand. And what's really disgusting is that churches will continue to grow while they're carrying cancer. And the churches are getting bigger and bigger and cancer spreading larger and larger. And then what ends up happening is like some crazy pandemic or something, something crazy happens. All these people get hurt because they don't have a faith to be able to understand it. It affects their walk with God. It affects who they are in Jesus. They don't see the fullness of who they are. They go back to the world. The world beats the living crap out of them. Or at the same time, the world embraces them and is like, yo, the church is shit. And then what ends up happening is they're just like, no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. It's not shit. But it seems like it. But like God is good. And then there's like, what do you, oh, how is God good? And then it's like you're in this tug of war where you're like, wait a minute. The world makes sense, but God, you're better than this. And then I feel like it's like that all could have been stopped if people would have just been like, hey, we're building something. And we kind of feel like you've been great, but maybe you would be great somewhere else because it doesn't sound like you really line up with our mission anymore. And it doesn't have to get into this, like, all this personal stuff. It can just be like, hey, it sounds like maybe God's doing something else with you. Let's find you somewhere else. When I was asked to leave, they were like, it sounds like you're going in this direction. Like, we want to find that place for you. We want to be the pastors that help you find that right church. Mm-hmm. Granted, I found it without them. And I just was like, I'm at this church. And then they were there for my friend's funeral. 
you know? So I just, yeah. I, I just wanted to say that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. And, and, and even, you know, the, the similar testament of just church hurt and abuse, there's really, you know, the narrative here is that churches have gone on for so long with doing these kind of ricochet things behind the scenes and yet performance space, you know, um, and, and showing up, but yet not really living out the call, like the fullness of what God has, you know, and that's why he's like very strict on pastors and leaders, you know, like not many of you should become teachers. My brethren says Timothy, um, and we're, we're building this false Babylon, if you will. Yeah. And being about, you know, so the brand essentially is Babylon. I'm sorry, not Babylon. <laughs> the Tower of Babel. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're yeah, building yeah. this, we're building this brand, right? If you will. And, and we're slapping it on with the church or slapping it on with Jesus. And we're, we're building our own empire. Tower of Babel, which is what that was. And we're not about the father's business. We're about the brand called that, call it Babel. And we're not about the father's business, which Jesus essentially was about the father's business. So, you know, just to kind of circle back to what you were saying, it's, it's really about the abuse that the churches have allowed to go on for so long. If it, ca- if it meant keeping, you know, the order, if it, if it meant keeping the numbers, if it meant still, um, you know, appeasing uh, those who tie a certain amount or just looking like they're all put together very performance driven very performance based and and yet you hear the the hypocrisy about you know people uh uh come as you are or uh i don't want to even use that but people um having like uh these kind of idols and then my my argument is like but you're creating that you become a machine of idols you're literally birthing these idols for people to be set up for failure um, because you, you lay out this false foundation and then they fall through the cracks of these false foundations that you're establishing. And then you want to, instead of taking accountability and actually recognizing that you have partnered with a lie that is not essentially God's truth in how he has established this church, you want to excuse it by blame shifting, uh, double standards, and essentially building your own man-made empire of a ministry and then slapping on Jesus. I mean, how foul, how foul, you know, it's false doctrine. Mm -hmm. It's false, Mm -hmm. you know, pretense of who Jesus Christ is. It's blasphemous. It's false hope. It's false grace. It's all of that, you know, and honestly, I'm I'm getting a little heated, so forgive me. No, it's it's great. It's awesome. Especially this word grace. God forgive me. He had to really. It's who dares wins after hours. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, we, we really went after hours here. Honestly, this word grace, I had to really have the Lord deal with me on that. And I had to have like massive deliverance. And it took literally almost like five years, maybe seven. I will say five just for five, but probably was in truth seven years. That's because really, I saw okay. so many people and, and then I'll let you go in. I'm sorry. I you know we're friends so we can do this. <laughs> I just saw so many people in the church abuse that word grace. Grace. God's grace and in, even I'll fill my name in the blank you know a particular timeline in my life where someone was like grace Natty grace 
And 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 it's ironic because I am, if you know me, you know me so well. I am such a giver of grace. I mean, I will give you grace for days, bake you a lemon pound cake, which I love lemon, uh, of grace, lemon pound cake of grace. And yet people just want to be condoned. Like they want to condone their sin. They want to justify it. They want me to coddle you, you know? And, and so it's such a, a, a slap in the face, if you will, you know, um, disrespect of the grace that God has bestowed on us and not for you to go running around and doing whatever you want and then call it grace and not being accountable. It's an abuse. It's an abuse. And then when people are coming into the faith for their first time, trying to truly understand God's grace, they can't because they're living under the distorted lenses of like, Oh, if I do something, it's grace. But then if you do something, now there's a problem. Now you're problematic. Now we have an issue. Now you're a threat. No, I'm so sorry. It is not the grace of God. So God had to give me his understanding of what grace is. And like I've told you, I have lived through so much, like, you know, I don't even call it struggle, but just so much warfare and the pain from younger years to present. And everyone has their story. And I'm not here like this is a, you know, parade of my own uh, wounds. No, I'm just saying the truth that I should be a statistic across the board, John Paul, across the board. And that is god's grace that Mm. is the grace of god that i am not any of those fill in the blank and so i cannot dare say that oh i'm so lucky oh i'm so blessed no 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 no. quite on the contrary it's because of god's grace that i'm i wasn't a drug addict heroin addict prostitute trafficked um you know you fill in the blank Mm-hmm. abuser uh, every kind of any kind of you know whatever abuse you, of that level you fall under you know uh a, a tyranny and anarchy I mean there was a period that there was anarchy in me but God like you know it, it was it was fluffy in comparison to the anarchy that you guys were the real renegades here <laughs> in New York City so I can't even I can't even go on there all your friends are like yeah whatever <laughs> but I mean you know for this Miami girl coming from Florida there there was a little anarchy and it was it was honestly in the purity of like against the system mm-hmm. against what I saw the governments were doing of you know and we know this as the systems of this world yeah. um and then essentially you know against religion I did not want anything to do with religion which is why this is so immensely like profound because God would then have the last laugh and if you want to make him laugh, you tell him your plans, right? And so I end up becoming the builder of his house when I wanted nothing to do with his house for like 10 years. And I am so passionate about seeing the church rise up in her true call and her true identity. Mm. You know, I'm a builder. God has called me as a builder. I can't even run from it if I tried. And I get so angry and that's what I know. Your greatest misery, I've been told this, this was the, one of the most profound moments of my life when I was honestly knee deep in such grief and despair from this church, battling six months of suicide, by the way, in bed. No one knew this as they have escorted me out to like my next location to serve there, just disheveled. I remember I encountered this young man who was from South Carolina, Clemson, that, that was his team, go Clemson. And uh, he said, Natty, your greatest misery is going to be your greatest ministry. Wow. And that 
wrecked me. Yeah, that's so from deep. this day, I just realized I was like, wow, God, like my misery is the church. My misery is that she is not doing her due diligence, the call. She's not waking up. She's not living above the standard. She's compromising. She's mm. ratchet as heck. You know, she's abusing your people. This is why, JP, no one wants anything to do with the church. I don't blame them. I was like, run for the hills. You'll find Jesus there. He's a good shepherd. He will lay you down in green pastures. Get out of this church. They're full of wolves in sheep's clothing. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> wow. So, I'm going to end my piece there. going to get in trouble. <laughs> no, yeah, that's really deep. That's really deep. Uh, there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of wolving going on. Um, but, yeah, that's... that's uh, Wolving. Yeah, that's really. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you wolving? Are, so, are they wolving today? Um. Yeah, I think like, wow, so true, so true. So, um, I feel like um, you you sort of touched on this, but I wanted to ask the question: Is yeah. is there recovery or healing, and can you move on after being wounded by the body of Christ? Hmm. Wow, you're touching on some very tender wounds there. <laughs> very good subject. Um, to be... <laughs> I just lost my uh, audio device. Probably have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so to answer your question, which is a very, very good question, very profound, because, you know this has been a journey this last seven years and I, I honestly haven't arrived. I'm still in process for me to even talk about this stuff with you is, is, is really um, is the grace of God and, and having just to face my fear. I love that your podcast is called who dares win. And uh, you know, the slogan I have, which is called do it afraid. So I'm really trying to put that into practice. And essentially my testimony is not for me. You know, what we go through is not for us. You know, if we're calling ourselves children of God, if we're calling ourselves laid down lovers, if we're calling ourselves partners, conduits of, of his kingdom, this is why he has chosen us for this, for this task. It's essentially to give people the hope. You know, he's the hope of glory mm. and that they can get through whatever they're going through because he essentially is good. And he's the one that will redeem it. And he's the one, whether we know him or not, you know, the prayer is that the understanding of these testimonies, right? We overcome by the blood of the lamb, like you said earlier in the beginning of this. Um, and the word of our testimonies, I have said this to you before, our testimony is our greatest currency. You know, you could take the monies, the monies to the bank and cash it in because you know that that deposit will increase. And so to answer your question, um, I do believe firmly in seeking counsel mm -hmm. in walking through process of these very real wounds of the church, uh, the very real grief. Like you mentioned, there's a very, very well-known pastor in New York City that has gone through his own uh you know, it's his own demise and we pray for him and we love him. You know, he was a part of the other plant, church plant that I did in Miami. And, you know, I met him personally and I, I served 
uh, when he was there at the conference. And, and this is a great devastation when you look up to someone and you admire someone and you essentially put them on a pedestal that you don't intend to, especially if you're a baby in the faith. And it is devastating, devastating beyond belief. And this is where you, you see people yeah. falling away and wanting nothing to do with the church because if you come from these homes where your father has failed you or he wasn't there yeah. or he was there, but he just funded into your, you know, your inheritance, a funnel, but you can have a relationship where, you know, someone in your family that you looked up to, mother, father, you know, fill in the blank, whoever he was your care, your guardian, and, and they, you know, b- betray your trust or let you down. And then you come back into this with hope and aspiration and you, you just fall in love with Jesus. And mm. you get so, you know, into the high of this experience because, you know, let's be honest, yeah, let's be there's honest. an encounter. It's an encounter, but then we give this experience and we blind people to what the nature of the church is. Mm. She's very broken and she's in need of a savior and she's disheveled, which God is coming back for a worthy bride without, you know, a spot or blemish. But tell that to a baby Christian who just walked in like a week ago or was, you know, fangirling, fanboying for a pastor that they admired and was their idol, essentially. You, you can't, you have to, you know, that pain is valid. You know, that despair, that grief is valid. And allowing people to process, and we as believers who are more sound and, you know, more seasoned in our walk, need to have compassion, more than compassion, empathy, and more than empathy, humility, to walk people through this. Because counselors are not always going to be accessible, especially financially, some people can't afford it. We are in one of the prime seasons that people can't, necessarily afford a counselor so i'm a high believer of counseling and doing the work and going into the process but truly at the end of the day we are the extension of who he is Mm. his hands and feet he sent in the earth so if the body of christ is not doing her due diligence then we are forfeiting the essential mission of why we were called to the earth in to begin with We're called to be the light of the earth. We're called to be the restorers of the breach. We're called to proclaim liberty um, to the captive, you know? And so we're going to be more accountable. You know, pastors and leaders will be accountable, but the body of Christ will also have her own, you know, judgments with the Lord that we will individually all have to give an account for. But yeah, it's the church's job. It's, he talks about, you know, who, whoever stumbles uh, one of these little ones of mine, it's, rather, it's better for them to have a millstone around their neck. Remember that passage that we were talking about? Yeah. Not too long ago. Yeah. So if you are a believer in Christ and you stumble one of these innocent babies, you know, babes in the faith, oh, yeah, 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 there's going to be judgment. And so, I don't know, I hope that answers your question, but essentially I think this is the time more than ever, that the church is really going to have to rise. And, uh, and I want to be honest with you, I, you know, earlier we were talking about the church and then, you know, the, the, the times of old, because now it seems like it's a tale. But uh, I am honestly, and, and it probably will sound insensitive, so I, I just pray for the grace for those who are listening to understand that I am one of these people, if there are probably any, it's few, have been absolutely grateful 
for this season that God has shut the church down mm. and that the church legit had no choice but to leave the building because she was never supposed to be in there anyways, congregating the way she was, practically prostituting herself the way she was, let's be real. And um, it has provoked us to a point of no return that we have to actually transform and die to self to be the fullness of what he has called us to be. Wow. And that is the ecclesia, you know? Wow. The true ecclesia, the remnant, the ones who are operating spirit and truth. At the end of all this, rooted and grounded in love. Because this is the only thing that's going to sustain us in these times. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm. But love being the foundational thing. And the foundational thing of love is Jesus. Mm. He is love. The incarnation of love was Jesus. The law and the prophets all hang on this. The fulfillment of love was Jesus. So what am I saying? We are going to have to be Jesus. As painful as it is, we're going to have to learn again what it looks to be like Jesus. Having no choice but to get into his word and allowing his word to to be made manifest in us. And heal the earth, heal the land the best way. But he's the central one that's going to save the world. He already did at the cross, you know? So that's my... I guess preaching. Yeah, and so so it sounds like <laughs> sounds like you know. Thank you for sharing what you're sharing, but honestly, it sounds like that you know healing and recovery after church hurt um, actually seems like a, a very long process, and actually seems like that um, that 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 like I don't maybe maybe we don't heal from it maybe we we just learn uh we learn different ways to sort of walk through it and we always feel it and it impacts like the way we do ministry in the future and the way we understand like what's happening in the world but i think it's important for leaders to understand that when you hurt when you hurt someone in church who um really you know, believes in, in the ministry, um, and, and you don't take care of them, like, that leaves a wound, like, a like a father who's, like, unresponsive to a kid's, like, grades or art project or, you know what I mean, like, simple gestures to just sort of let their father know that, like, you know, that they see him and they appreciate him. And I feel like church is supposed to like represent Father God, and um, and I felt like like everything you were sharing, although it was like really good. Ultimately, I think like you know we're all like continuing to process our own healing, and it, for all practical purposes, like you know that may that might just be what it is, you know, because I'm in a new place, and I'm healing, but that wound and that time and that place um, and that season, like, you know, yeah, I probably feel that way forever. Um, but, uh, but I've learned to forgive. Uh, I've learned to sort of see the gold in that opportunity, in that experience, even though it hurts so much. And for you, I just feel like, you know, just listening to you, it's like 
you've continued to champion and believe in Jesus, um, but in your humanity, you know, it still still lingers. It's still painful. So, absolutely, you know, there's so, a lot of anger. So it's like there in the church that I still possess. Yeah, you know, so it's just so it's like you know, it's just like important. You know, it's just like I think it's important to like you know. Like for for people who are listening to to understand that it's okay, like it's all right to 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 feel that way. You know what I mean? It's it's okay. Like it's a real wound, and the Bible says, as you were saying earlier, like it's better for a millstone to be tied around a little one's uh, a, a millstone to be tied around the neck of like you know some abuser and thrown into the the sea than to wound a little one. And the actual, like, Greek interpretation of that is actually, like, an immature believer. It's not just a kid. It's, like, an immature believer. So it could be, like, a young person. It could be an adult. And just be someone who's, like, new to understanding this liberty that Jesus was representing from the law. And, um, or, like, a weaker one, you know? And, uh, so it's like, yeah. So I think that there I is think, recovery. I just think it it takes yeah. a long time. I mean, it takes it's a process. Absolutely, it's not going to happen overnight. Like I, I I shared with you, you know, as being my friend this past year, it took me literally almost seven years, if not seven years, from twenty thirteen fourteen to this year, um, and it's excruciating. And I don't think that process has to be that it's I think it's unnecessary if the church is really doing her job and and earlier obviously I was sharing my frustration but really from a a very real place because I had to experience it you know battling for my life like I said with this very real fear of suicide you know it, it was not fun because I could not understand how God allowed this because I associated the church as being God, mm-hmm. which are completely two different things. You know, actually, because this is coming back to me and you were there with me last year when I had to go through this swelling of this poison just coming out. And I was looking at the body. I was looking at the body of Christ being the church. And I didn't realize that the body had been broken. That his body had been broken for us. So the church is not even in her fullness yet, which he's coming back for. So what happened was I took my gaze off of his face and instead was looking to the body of Christ, associating that being him. The church. And it wasn't the church. And so when he did that for me, when he restored that whole entire, you know, the perception I've just shared, I was like, oh, my God, the whole time I was I was looking at her brokenness. And, and essentially, it was a, a kind of a mirror image. And when I beheld his face again is when I was able to come out of that wound because I, I found I had found my first love again. I had found why I essentially gave my life to Christ and you know 
your story, you went through your share of things, and it does. It does distort the believer in thinking that this is God, that this is his will, that this is his plan, that this is the sovereignty. No, 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 in Jesus' name. How dare you use blasphemous terms? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a... Uh... Um, so it's like a form of theology called theodicy. And that's the, the study of how we understand a loving God in the midst of pain, like a loving God in the midst of pain. You know, a poor theology is, is that this pain was used by God to make you blah, blah, blah. And the truth is, is that, you know, I, I think God is good. You know, God is good and that things happen, okay. but that's because of humanity. That's not because of God. And, um, so yeah, it's like, yeah, I just, I like what you shared. I like what you shared. Um, so, um, hmm. yeah, this part will have to be edited because I'm like at a loss, but I just, I like what you shared and I like that you brought up like restoration and stuff like that. Um, the restoration takes time JP and you know that because you had to go through that experience you know I'm still going through that experience but you said something so key about the father you know we don't have fathers in the church raising up as fathers Mm -hmm. we have a church being run by orphans and some of those orphans are fathers being orphans I'm so sorry that cannot be and so that is why we have a distorted image of the father's face because the fathers in the faith are not even raising up and taking their place and then you have an orphan church running around with orphans dang so do you think that that's why maybe like church is mostly women like maybe women like understand at least like i don't know like because i feel like the backbone of a church is is women but I feel like, I feel like, um, the, like, I don't know. So I feel like this all sounds so sexist, but be... I feel like, <laughs> I mean, who cares? This is like a Christian thing, but like, like <laughs> men being like walking in their godly identity as men, um, knowing who yeah. they are, I feel like they would create safe spaces where women are able to serve from a capacity that is innate to them and men would be able to lead and protect from a place of, of, of knowing who they are. But because we're led by orphans or as Tommy green says, you know, we're, we're a bastard generation. Um, oh God, it's so intense, Tommy. <laughs> I still love I you. Think, I think it's important to be intense. So it's like a bastard generation. Yeah, I agree. I'm just and so we saying that in like So love. we cling to like certain things like within music and within um gangs and like different subcultures and stuff for identity because we're looking for like someone to sort of take us under the wing and show us how to live, show us how to be human. And thanks be to God through Jesus our Lord, like he shows us how to be a human. He shows us how to be a man. He shows us how to be a woman. He shows us how to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He shows us how to love our enemy and do something wonderful for them in the Passion Translation. You know, it's like through Jesus. And so I love what you're saying because it's like we're following these people 
but these people haven't followed anyone. And Miles Monroe would say, you know, a man who is not under the authority of, of, of a greater authority or the authority of God is not someone you should follow. Is, is not, is, my, Miles is my homie, so I, I, I uh, approve of that message. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, to answer your question, because you said, why is it that the church, to go back, you know, to your first question was, why do you think the church is filled with, you know, some mass majority being women? Well, I mean, right there, I feel like we're, we're embarking, you know, in uncharted territories because the church isn't speaking out about this. But this is honestly, we're gonna we're gonna take it up a little bit in spiritual, you know, didactics of the real principalities we're up against. You know, I, I'm sure it's not going to be a fan to the community of feminists, but essentially there is an agenda here to take out the fathers, to take out the men, you know, to take out the original design that God had intended Adam being the head over Eve. And so what you do is you emasculate a man in the, their God-given design and the authority as being the head, because essentially the head is the tip to protect what is the most delicate. You know, this is Pastor David, who's one of my pastors here in, in New York City, King's Church. And, you know, that's such a profound message that he, he shared about why the man is positioned the way he is over the women. It is not to demean her degrade her, overpower her, strip her of her rightful design as well. No, it's to protect what is the most vulnerable and the most sacred. That is beautiful. And, and vulnerable, not in, in, a, in a sense of weakness. It's, that it, it's the most precious. And so what's happening is, yes, you're seeing an increase and a rise of women, which I totally believe is the sovereignty of God too. You know, because there's a feminine attribute to God and there's masculine, you know. Um, so I can't answer the, to the, the, the deeper spiritual or the understanding of why God is allowing it. Because essentially it's, it's his like, you know, he's, he's orchestrating this for, for a bigger plan that we can see. But I do believe that the society and the church allowing society to dictate how we do, um, you know, how, how essentially we were supposed to do kingdom. Church and state was supposed to be separate, but in people think to this day it is. No, it's not. It's not. And the church has allowed that to come into the, the house of God. And this is why men are uh, almost afraid to live up to what they're called to, you know, and, and this is because it goes back to the home. You have fatherless homes raising children who need their fathers so this mm -hmm. identity comes back to the father we as children always identify who we are based on the father it is why god is so significant and not everyone can understand what that looks like when i was walking with god and i came back to him and he was asking me to approach him as you know father i was like oh no that is definitely not happening here are you kidding that's a very real wound you already know that so i was like lord god like so like formal when i addressed him and he had to change the language he had to change the verbiage that had been so abused for so long mm. and when he gave me a new tongue to address him was like papa dios in my native latin tongue oh it wrecked me 
correct me because that word had never been tampered, distorted, or abused. Wow. So you have people who can't come to God as father because the father wound is real if there's been abuse or abandonment or rejection. And so, and then if you, you know, if you feel like you've had people in your life that have lorded over you and have abused their power, you're not going to come to God as Lord. Hmm. And then Jesus, the name above all names is the most offensive. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, talk about that for a minute, but I hope that answers your yeah. question. I get a that was great. It. That was great. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. It's so so important to understand. I know it's controversial, but when you're doing life as a Christian, there is sort of a sense of identity that that Christ gives us that He maps out in the Word in the Scriptures. And you know, as a Christian, that's that's what I believe, and and I feel like personally for me, like when I when I uh, rededicated my life um, to the Lord um, just a few years ago, um, I, I, I consider myself to be a Christian for many years, but there were these times where I wasn't necessarily thinking about like how I'm living. I was just really concerned with like justice and things of that nature. So when I, when I gave him my life and I was going through a hard time, I was like, God, you know, like I surrender. And in that moment of surrender, just, you know, I, I just, I just sort of like, was like, I know who I am and I know what you want from me. And I've been like going against it for a long time. I've been pushing against it. I've been creating theologies to push against it, to try and create my own theology, to try try and create my own idea about God. And the truth is, is that God is, God is God, you know, and like, I'm a Christian. And I believe in Jesus and I believe in the Bible and I believe in what he's done in my life. And so no matter what theology, um, I cannot get away from what he's done. I cannot get away from the existential experience I had in the day I got saved the first time. And that's just how my life changed, you know, and though the Bible says in the book of Acts, when, when Jesus was confronting Paul, well, before his name was Paul, his name was Saul. And when Jesus confronts Saul, he says, Paul, it's hard to kick against the pricks in the King James Version. And what that means is, is it's hard to push against truth. So, you know, a lot of times, like we say, like, yeah. you know, um, even Pastor John Tremini at Hillsong this past Sunday, he preached a message called, You Want the Truth. Well, a lot of times we'll say, like, you can't handle the truth. Well, the truth is, is that Jesus is the truth. So Jesus was saying to Paul, well, because he would change his name pretty soon after, like, he basically was saying, like, it's hard for you to push against me because I, like, my will will be established. Even though it's like free will, like, it's like my will will be established. Like, I am truth. And you're seeking truth. You're a Pharisee, a Sadducee, and like, you're all the things. But like, I am the truth and you're persecuting me. Stop it. Stop persecuting me. And like, how? How am I persecuting you? Because you're, you're killing my people. You're killing my believers. You're killing my children. Your children. You're of them. And so Paul's like, oh, snap. Like, I am persecuting Jesus. And has, <laughs> and has like this like change. You know what I mean? And it's just. It's really, really powerful. So I just really thank you for everything you shared. 
tonight, um, 